Be Wealthy and Smart, episode number 141. into a world of wealth and financial freedom without budgets, boredom, or bosses on Be Wealthy and Smart. And now, here's your host, Linda P. Jones. Welcome to Be Wealthy and Smart. I'm Linda P. Jones, America's Wealth Mentor, empowering women and men worldwide to financial freedom. On this show, we talk about how to automate your personal finances, and I interview Jen Terrell, who has a podcast called Financial Fluency. Jen goes into automating, and then she also talks about some different apps and websites like Mint.com, Betterment, Motif, Elevest, Worth FM, and so on. There's a lot in here. It's packed with practical information. I know you're going to love it. Here we go. I'm so excited to have Jen Terrell on the show today. Jen, how are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me, Linda. Oh, I'm excited to have you here because we've been talking about automation and it's something I think people can do more of. And I'm really excited to have you share some steps of how to get people automating their finances. Sure. I am excited too. So I first started automating my finances, I think it was in 2011. It was the year after my oldest daughter had been diagnosed with autism and my husband and I were running a couple of different businesses. And it got to the point where I couldn't keep things in my head anymore. I I was really busy. We had all of these insurance claims and medical stuff going on. And I'd read Ramit Sethi's book, I Will Teach You to Be Rich, which was a hard one for me to read because it's this very young-looking college guy on the front sitting cross-legged with no shoes on saying, I will teach you to be rich. (laughs) And here I'm older than him. I have some businesses. And I thought, what is is he going to teach me? And to be honest, the tone, I feel like he is talking to ambitious young guys for the most part. But if you don't mind that or ignore it, he has some fantastic tips. And the one that made the biggest difference for me was automating my personal finances. So what I did, and then I I took it a few steps further than he did as well in that book uh, to kind of apply it to more things. But the start of it was to automate your bills. So you, you gather all your bill information together and you go into your bank account because I, there are some bill pay services like mint bills and things like that, but often they charge you a fee. Whereas your own bank, if you're able to hook up all the payees to your own bank, usually it's a free service. So I always recommend people do anything free if they possibly can. So you enter in all the information, hook it up with the accounts. And while you're in there, if you have all your, your login information for them, I really recommend batching your bills too. Because if all of your bills get paid, say you get a paycheck twice a month on the 1st and the 15th, if you batch all of your bills to go out on the 5th and the 20th, say, that gives you a couple of days just in case there's anything unexpected, you can make the transfer on the 2nd and the 16th into your bill pay account, which is the next step, set up a separate bill pay account. And all that goes out of that is your fixed recurring bills. Um, By fixed, I mean it's the ones that happen and that you can automate, they may alter some month to month, like here in Arizona, most people have air conditioning. The summer is a really high for electricity, the winter, not so much. Um, but you can, you can anticipate roughly how much it will be. And sometimes your APS bill will also allow you to do one of these, um, pay throughout the year. You know, it allows you to, to adjust your payment so that you don't have some super months. If that helps totally do that. 
But so now we have all of your, your information gathered. Step two is to set up the separate bill pay account that is attached to all of the auto pay bills so that they will go out. And then you have to know how much needs to be in there every month. So you add up your rent, your mortgage, your car payment, um, your student loan payments. I put credit card payments in there too because you can automate those. Again, those may be different month to month, but we'll get to that in a second. But um, So basically everything that can be attached and paid online with your account is attached to this bill pay account. Now, I like to live a month ahead if possible, which means I am spending last month's income this month. So I put a full month's worth of our basic costs, our fixed costs in there at the beginning of the month and then transfer in from that paycheck, you know, half whatever needs to be for that first two weeks. And then on the 15th, do it again. So you always have at least a whole month's worth of expenses in there as a buffer. That may be the thing that takes the most time to get the savings buffer. If you do have an emergency fund where you keep three to six months worth of of bills in an account, I would say go ahead and pull one month of that to be your buffer because you're not going to want to spend into that. It's just there to make sure you don't get the negative feedback loop of overdrafts and then late payments if that account runs out. So as long as you always have a month's buffer, you should be really safe in there. So that month's buffer goes into a savings account? I have it in the bill pay checking account, which obviously you're not getting any interest on it. But what it's doing is saving you if you do have some really unexpected unexpectedly high bills some month, it will just dip down into that month's buffer and it will never take you overdrawn. Got it. What do you think of that, Linda? I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I like that. And so, and hopefully, I mean, it depends on what your monthly expenses are. Hopefully it's not more than $2,000, for those fixed. I mean, it depends where you live. Obviously, if you live in New York, your rent or mortgage may be more than that in its own. I live in rural Arizona. So our fixed expenses come to about 2500 a month that I put in there. So that's basically what I make sure we put in there. And my husband and I, we each get our paychecks in our own spending accounts, and then we transfer from those into the joint bill pay account. And the other nice thing that does is what's left in our spending accounts for each of us is our variable spending for the month. Even if we spend every single dollar in there, we never don't pay our bills. Our bills are always paid first because we've batched them to the 5th and the 20th and the automated payments happen. Um, The other thing I like to do when you do the automation from your spend account to the bill pay account, so you set it up, say, the day after your paycheck hits, is to also then automate a savings out of it as well. So you figure out how much you need for your variable spending, how much you can put towards your savings, and how much needs to go in the bill pay account. This takes a little bit to sit down and do. Obviously, you know, you need to write down what absolutely has to be paid, what you want to put into savings. If you're doing a percentage, that makes it easier. If you're doing 5% or 10% of your salary, then you can automate that. And then what's left in your spending account, you know that that's the only one you really have to keep track of because that's the one that changes. So maybe you've been eating out too much, you cut back on eating out, something like that. It's all just in that spend account and your savings and your bill pay is completely separate. Well, I like to hear that you're putting money into a savings account because I was going to ask you if you're paying yourself first and I was going to ask you if you're paying yourself a certain percentage first. So you covered that you can do that. And what people can do, they can either put it into that savings account or they might even be able to send it to their brokerage account too and do some investing and have mm-hmm. that be their savings as well. Yeah, I like Right. That. Or if they are contributing monthly to a um, retirement fund too. I mean, they that could too. send it to the brokerage and put it into a, a tax advantage retirement fund, depending, or if they work for a salary, maybe they're already getting that through their work. 
Yes. Who knows? We'll have yes. to see. So yeah, some of the, if you're already contributing to say a 401k through your work, you may not want to put as much into savings, but you still need something in savings to keep your, your, um, emergency fund topped up and then to save for your goals. Um, you know, I like to have different flower pots that we put, put different goals for, whether it's vacation or, um, we do have a home, but if you're saving up to buy a home or an investment property or something like that, you know, you can start putting some each month towards that. So right now, so far, we've, we've gathered our information, we've set up our bill pay account, and we've set up the payee accounts to it. Now we've batched our bills, hopefully, to... The reason I like to batch them to is once the 5th and the 20th happens, it's your bills are paid, you, you know none are late. Um, I also like on the 5th and the 20th to go check on them. I go in and make sure everything was paid okay. And then I have a physical inbox that I keep here. It's right here next to me. Um, and a virtual inbox in my email for other financial tasks that aren't immediate that I can wait until the 5th or the 20th. And a lot of times I'll look at our accounts on that day. And that's when I write any physical checks I have to do too, because I'm in financial mode. I've just checked all our account balances and I know what we can or can't do. So if you're in the process of paying off debt, say you automate either your minimum payment or whatever amount you set, and then you can look at what's left afterwards and see is there one that I can make a bigger payment towards this month? Or should I put some more towards savings if you haven't spent everything that covers those basic needs? All right, Does that I make like sense? That. Yes. Okay. So once we batch it, we have our savings buffer that we're either going to draw from our three to six months emergency fund or save up for. Another way to do this is if you don't have it saved, obviously you don't want to turn automation on until you have a savings buffer. Because like I said, if you go under the the minimum amount that's in that bank account, you're going to get an overdraft fee, you're going to get late payments, all of that. So we definitely don't want that to happen. So a way to do this if you don't have it saved up is to take a month and go absolute bare minimum just for one month. Um, I'm not a big fan of telling people they should give up all the luxuries in life, every coffee, massage, buying flowers, buying a book, going to the movies, because I do think that we need to do things with our money to make our life pleasant and livable in the present. Thank you. Me too. Yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not into the frugalist movement at all. Yeah. Me neither, because... <laughs> You never know what's going to happen. Um, and I heard those stories where someone saves and scrimps every penny for retirement. And on their 65th birthday, when they get their gold watch, they have a heart attack and die. Or, you know, it's all the money was saved and they never enjoyed it, any of it. And I don't think that's a good way to live. And I also think when we're too strict with ourselves, we rebel. I know I, agree. I do. I agree. I think <laughs> it's all about prioritizing and how you want to live your life and what's important to you. And if those massages and flowers are important to you, then having those at the top of your list. But if, you know, certain other things aren't really that important to you, I mean, people do eat out a lot, but it's not always important to them to eat out. It's just sort of either a habit or they're like, oh, I don't want to cook tonight or something. But there's other things they could do than spending, you know, $80 on a dinner, mm -hmm. you know, 20 nights a month. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it just depends, you know, if that's important to you, that's a different thing. But for a lot of people, it's not really important to them. So picking mm -hmm. those priorities, I think, and putting those first, that's going to be really good for people. Right. And so if we're trying for a month to get the savings buffer in place, mm -hmm. I think most of us can for a month give up a few things, knowing that the goal is to have this weight off your mind, that you won't have to remember, oh, that bill's due on the 24th, and oh, this one's due on the 15th, and I have to have enough money for that over here. Think of how much peace of mind you'll get not worrying about your bills. You, you know that your bills are paid every month. 
And all you have to worry about is this variable spending. It, it really does make a difference. It took a load of weight off of my mind when we did it. So for one month, if we can go through all your subscriptions, like go through everything that comes through on your credit card, the transactions, and see, is there anything you can cut? Like, can we do Netflix instead of cable? Are we going to the gym enough for the gym membership? Um, are we using all of the apps that we have on our computer, like, you know, the upgrade for, for MailChimp and the upgrade for this and the upgrade for that. We all have all these little things, or maybe just even on our phones, all of the in-app purchases that we do. Try disabling the in-app purchase. Try turning off Amazon one-click. Try just putting a few barriers between you and impulse buys for the month and see how much you can save to put towards this. Because ideally, it'd be nice to have a whole month, but even half a month will give you enough buffer, hopefully, that you can get started while you continue to save a little more in there. And also, knowing that you're a month ahead of your bills, that is a real peace of mind, too, that if something happened, besides your emergency account, which savings should be going towards, you also have this right here. Um, you know, if something big comes up, your car breaks down, you need a new furnace or something, there is some extra liquid money right there that could be used. You don't really want to use it because you don't want to dip into it too much. But it gives you a feeling of safety. And I also think it is good for people to get in the habit of having some money sit in your bank account that doesn't disappear. Because I know some people, especially if you're in the habit of living paycheck to paycheck, and especially if you're paying off debt and you always feel like you have to put every penny towards debt, I'm not saying you shouldn't pay off debt. You absolutely should. But getting used to the feeling of having some money sit in your account that doesn't get spent every month, it's, that's kind of part of that wealth mindset that you were talking about before we hit record. You know, Having this feeling of some money accumulate. And it's safety. It means that you don't have to put that back on the credit card. Because so many people, as they're paying off debt, you know, maybe they pay off fifteen hundred in one month, and they feel really excited. But then they look at the other card or two, and oh, they put on that almost that much on other cards because things came up, and they went ahead and put it on the credit card. Yeah. If you really want to get out of debt, at some point you do have to have some money accumulate so you stop putting new things on the credit cards. That's right. Yeah. So once we have that savings buffer in there and all the payees are hooked up, and you have your savings transfer ready to go and your bill pay transfer ready to go from your paycheck, wherever, or if you don't have a paycheck, wherever the money comes into your personal system. So if you have your own business and you either take draws or pay yourself from it, wherever it leaves your business and comes into your personal world, that would be where you make the transfers from for your personal savings and your personal bill pays. Um, I went ahead and did some of this in our business as well, you know, setting up that the regular recurring things for our ranch, you know, because we have electricity and wells and all that sort of stuff that we do. Um, as much as possible, I've done that there too. Um, though we also have things like horseshoers and the feed store, which I can't automate. I have to actually write checks for those. But yeah, so once all that's set up, then you can go and press go on automate, turn it all on. And for one month, you do need to really watch it carefully to make sure all those bills get paid. You might even want to let some of the companies know. If you notice any of the bills don't get paid, call the company that day, explain what's going on. And I promise you if it's the day that you're, it should be paid with the automation and something goes wrong and you tell them what happened, they will help you fix it. Um, I can't imagine anyone saying, oh, no, you're late and we're going to have a fee because you were trying to automate. So go ahead, try it. Watch it very closely that one month. And then after that, after that first month, you get to monitor your system instead of managing it actively every day. And that's a big difference. It feels very different just to look and see, oh, yeah, the money's going where it's supposed to. Okay, I didn't have to actively do anything. It really takes a load off, a lot of stress off, I think. Awesome. 
Do you have you ever had any big mistakes happen or catch something that went wrong? A few times, yeah. And it actually it's been with trying to automate things on our ranch. <laughs> waste <laughs> management was one of them. For some reason, I just could not get the waste management bill to work through an automated system. And we did have a time where I thought I thought I saw it go out of our account and it was trying to get over there, um, but it didn't arrive for some reason. So I ended up having to call and explain and figure it out. Um, let's see, anything else major? Not too major. Um, one other thing that I do as a small business owner is I try to do three financial days per month. So one is the fifth, one's the 20th when I check and monitor everything. And then I add on the last day of the month because that's when I add up my gross receipts and make our tax transfer for quarterly estimated taxes. So if anyone wants to do extra credit and you're a business owner, you can add on the last day of the month, you know, just checking, tying up any loose ends and then making your transfer into your tax account if you're doing quarterly estimated taxes. I like that. And it's not like other financial things don't happen throughout the month, but the ones that absolutely have to happen or you'll be charged for, you know, or there'll be negative consequences. If you can automate as many of those as possible, I think it really helps. Do you still get some physical bills or do you have everything totally email? Again, for our ranch, because we live rurally and a lot of the people that we interact with are not on computers fully themselves. Um, I do get a number of, of paper bills. Like I said, the horseshoe, the feed store, stuff like that. Um, times when we paid stud fees for a horse, you know, stuff, things like that we can't really automate. So I do get some. Um, and then for personally, though, I pretty much have everything online. I use Mint.com to oversee everything. I put all of our accounts into Mint.com. I don't really use it for the budgeting function because I put both business and personal in there because that's my one place where I have a full overview. And I like that because I can just hop on my phone and quickly check if any transaction has or hasn't gone through and check balances and things. But um, yeah, for personally, I kind I have gotten to where I trust the internet enough to not have as much paper. But you know, I feel like at the same time, I'm looking around my office here at my filing cabinets. Do you remember the myth of the paperless office? Yes. Weren't we supposed to have that by now? Yes. I feel like not only do we get paper, we also get things electronically and emailed. So now we store them in multiple places. Yeah. I just yeah. find that I sometimes like that piece of paper just to review things or make sure like I had uh, a debit card that got compromised. Someone was someone somehow got my number and was buying Starbucks cards and mm-hmm. um just having that to be able to go back and review a couple of statements right at my fingertips. I don't know. It was still really great, but it's probably just old habits, you know, from from having that forever, but uh, there's some of that paper I just haven't given up yet. So. Yeah, it's true. And I, I do kind of like at the end of the year, once I've done my January quarterly taxes, that's usually and turned in my my business tax stuff to my accountant. I, I have a shredding party because <laughs> it's true. Like during the year, I just save everything that comes in just in case, just in case I need it for something. And then that's when I start at A. I, I do David Allen's filing system, just straight alphabetical. And I go through the files and, okay, which things do I need to save for taxes? Which do I have to save for seven years? Which do I need to box up with that? And what can I just shred? So, you know, even like, actually APS, APS sends me our, all of our paper bills, even though I think I've tried to make it paperless. So I just stick them in there, pay stubs, you know, all just different things, but you don't need to keep them past one year. So I have a big shredding party when I shred lots of stuff. 
<laughs> that sounds like fun. <laughs> well, good. Is there any anything else to your automated system? This has been really helpful. Really good. Well, like the main one, like I said, is doing the bills themselves. And then I liked adding in my own personal writing of checks on that day. And I've even started trying to make lists of things that I can put off until after the bill pay day goes out. Again, just checking the um, checking all the balances and everything. And if it's something that we want to upgrade, like we recently upgraded my husband's computer, say, um, you know, it's not urgent, immediate. He needed it at some point, but I would put it off for a bit and then decide which month to do it. So I have a few lists like that of don't buy now, you know? So when I think of something, if it's anything I can possibly put off, and I've noticed a lot of times things that I think we need immediately, if I wait long enough, sometimes we don't need them. (laughs) So... It depends. Again, if something's urgent, if it's toilet paper, we buy it. You know, it's not like I'm putting off our daily needs for these lists, but um, especially in terms of business, things that we're trying to decide when to buy, when to budget in. Um, I'll make lists and kind of put them off and see how our finances are next month or next bill pay period. So, yeah. Um, and I do feel like tackling all of your financial tasks batched together like that is really good because, you know, you hear about this sort of task drag where you're switching from one task to another and you can lose track of details and things like that. I think with finances, it's really important to be focused on them when you're doing them. So that's, again, why I try to batch them together. So I have times where I get the multiple checkbooks out for, you know, like our HSA, if I have to write a check for something medical and our business checkbook and my personal checkbook, and then I'll write those checks if I do checks. I probably do more checks than most people do these days. Do you still write checks, Linda? Only on the computer. I don't do any physical checks. I still do some physical checks. So that's part of why, you know, yeah, having these multiple things. Maybe I'll get to where I don't do any checks anymore. That would be kind of nice because those are the things that I don't know how to automate yet. But but mostly I feel like for me, automating at the time that I did when I was felt so inundated with all of this new stuff from my kids' autism and trying to still manage our businesses and setting up, we were setting up an in-home therapy program. So I was hiring new people to work with my kids. We actually, over the years, have had a bigger home staff for our kids' therapy than we do for our ranch, say. You know, we only have we have four full-time employees for our ranch, and at times we've had five in-home therapists who have worked with us in different ways. They're not necessarily straight-up employees, but but I would have to interview and hire and fire and do all of that. So automating our finances at that time it really helped me keep my sanity. And while I, there are definitely some things that I made unwise decisions on and have made mistakes at different times, I feel like over it all, it minimized that. It helped us keep track, helped us stay afloat in a really difficult time. Yeah. Are you using any of the apps like Acorn or any of those? I do because I am really interested in all of these different investing apps. I use Digit for one account, um, which is... Yeah, D-I-G-I-T, yeah. Yeah, it's a really neat Mm -hmm. automated savings program where it tracks your spending habits and it pulls out small amounts of money over time. And while I do track it, so I see them there, it is small enough that it really does not seem to make much of an impact on my spend account. So I do it from my spend account because that's the variable one. And then I, I have tried Acorns. I have that hooked up to a different account. And what I like about Acorns is it uses the roundup theory mm-hmm. or the roundup method. So when you make a purchase and it's $6.50, it grabs $0.50 cents and rounds it up to $7, basically. The, different thi- the difference with Acorns is that rather than a savings account, it is investing it. So with Digit, you can withdraw it pretty easily. 
the people that I've talked to about trying out acorns, it's usually when they don't feel like they have enough to invest, even at a low minimum. Um, I know on your show, you've talked about some places have a thousand dollar minimum to start an investing account or a $500 minimum with acorns. You start with that 50 cents that you round up and it is being invested. Presently, they don't have any tax advantaged retirement accounts. So you're missing out on getting the tax benefit. But if you want to get your toes wet with investing, I think acorns is a great way to start and try. I really like Betterment too. Have you tried Betterment? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I started investing in Betterment quite a few years ago too. And because I already had our retirement account set up at Vanguard, I've done taxable investment accounts through, through Betterment. But I just, I really like the, the app. I like the way they display the information. I like the dials for how much you want to put into stocks and bonds. They, they keep it really simple. You really don't have to think that much about it. And they do all of the rebalancing for you using their algorithms. So it's pretty hands-off. So again, I think for someone who wants to get started, they do have retirement accounts though. So if you've never opened a Roth or a traditional IRA, you could start with Betterment and you can do as little as $10 a month, I think. You know, again, it's a very low barrier to entry. Um, My one other investment, well, actually, no, let me say two others that I really like. Um, Have you tried Motif investing? No. So Motif, the reason I was drawn to that was their no glass ceiling Motif, which is a fund of companies that all have female CEOs. Oh, right. So, yeah. So basically they put together these little funds based on a certain motif. So if you want to only invest in female founded or run businesses, you can do that. There, there were a lot of them. I remember when Obamacare was coming up before it had passed, they had both a yes Obamacare and a no Obamacare fund, which meant that the companies in it would benefit if Obamacare passed, and the other one would benefit if it didn't. They also have things that are like, um, uh, let's see, oh, renewable resources, solar, you know. And, and if there isn't a motif that does what you want, you can actually build your own motif. You can say, I want a motif that only has companies that do wind power, or, you know, I want uh, to invest in companies that are making electric cars or something like that. So it's, it's kind of neat that you can invest so specifically. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good idea. <laughs> you, know, if you can look at past performance, you know, past performance doesn't always indicate future earnings, but, um, but it's, it allows you a different kind of control than you have in a lot of different funds. Um, you know, especially if you're used to investing in index funds, but you really would like to get out of fossil fuels or something, you know, there, there are different ways to invest in these things and put your money where your morals are. Say I've kind of noticed in talking to women about their money, I feel like women are really interested in those kind of things, you know, in supporting, um, women in third world countries or in supporting, um, I don't know. Yeah. You know, renewable energies and some social aspect to their money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The the socially responsible investing. So motifs good for that. And, um, the last thing I just wanted to mention is that both Elevest and Worth FM are coming up with their new investing platforms. I'm a a beta tester for the Worth FM platform and I love it so far. What I really like is they take you through this really interesting kind of psychological profile of yourself to figure out what your, money type is in a really interesting way that I hadn't seen before. For me, I think especially because I have two young kids with special needs and aging parents, mine came out as the nurturer. And they kind of let you know what your potential pitfalls could be, like spending too much on 
family members before taking care of your own retirement, you know, things like that, like wanting to save for your kid's college or future before taking care of your old age. Um, it's, it's not all negative by any means, but it just, you know, they'll ask you all of these questions and, um, kind of let you know what, what you may need to look out for. And then they make suggestions based on that in terms of your investing. So, um, I'm really excited about worth FM. I haven't tried Elevest yet, but I know they're doing some similar things that are, it's, platforms for women that are trying to talk to women in ways that the rest of the financial services industry hasn't for a long time. I love it. That's great. Well, I will definitely put all of these in the show notes and mention, was there one more besides motif? Oh, you were just talking about those two. Yeah. The the female folks. Yeah. But they're not quite ready yet. Got it. Um, Yeah. I think you can get on the list for, for worth FM. I'm not sure where all of us is. I, I get their email newsletter, but I, I, I don't remember a date at the moment, but but what do you think about platforms like that that are focused on women? There's a different conversation to have with women around money that mm-hmm. I think hasn't been had yet by the traditional brokerage firms. I think so too. Yeah. Can they find you? And what have you got going on? Okay. Well, my website is gentrell.com and I have my own podcast as well, which is called Financial Fluency, Speaking the Language of Money. It is much more focused on women and their kind of day-to-day, month-to-month finances, especially owning your own business or working from home, being freelance. There are a lot of challenges to working outside of the traditional nine-to-five that are pretty specific. So, um, so yeah, we talk about topics like that, and we interview different people, including the lovely Linda P. Jones. I just interviewed her. And, um, and we do look into investing, but it's definitely not as high-level investing as this show. But if you would like to come over, it is Financial Fluency. You can find it on iTunes or on my website. And at the moment, my favorite thing that I'm doing is my Mastering Money Matters group. I have a small group for women. It is a a monthly membership group where we go through different modules and different content, but we blab every Tuesday and we talk to each other about each other's businesses and promote each other to our networks. And then we also zoom every Friday and on the Friday calls, we really kind of dig into our own financial tasks and what's going on with us and, and what we're looking at. And one of the things I've noticed is just having the conversations that in the zoom, they're very private. Um, it's just us in there and it's all women. And there've been a few times where women have really started telling stories about where they're at, getting into debt, starting their businesses or divorces or things like that. And sometimes just the sharing and realizing that you're not alone and that you're not isolated with the situation that feels really difficult can make such a huge difference. I've seen the women in there really bond with each other and I've really bonded with them too. So that's kind of my favorite thing that I'm working on right now is the Mastering Money Matters group. And it's a low price. It's $29 a month and you get content you get access to everything. Um, So I've been focusing on really creating good content for that. I love it. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Jen. Thank you for having me, Linda. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Be Wealthy and Smart with Linda P. Jones. Share the wealth and tell your family and friends about the show. Check out our website, blog, and social media for more riches at www.bewealthyandsmart.com.